If you're like me, it seems like my anxiety levels seem to have increased with these uncertain times. Questions surrounding the coronavirus such as, am I safe? Is this ever going to end? Will the economy be okay? How's my family gonna get through homeschooling? And many others seem to add to the growing anxiousness we might already feel. How does one navigate anxiety and make it manageable? We sat down virtually with Dr. Bryce Peterson from Cope Family Medicine Ogden Clinic to discuss how to help you and your family successfully work through anxiety and ease of these uncertain times. Welcome to The Daily Diagnosis, a healthy lifestyle podcast provided by Ogden Clinic. We're your prescription for health-centered conversation, stories, and advice. I'm Parker Shaw, and with the help of my team and featuring the talented providers of Ogden Clinic, you'll reach a positive prognosis for your podcast addiction by listening to The Daily Diagnosis. Well, Dr. Peterson, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. I know it's crazy times, but um, with each day there's progression and more questions that people have had. And we wanted to hop on today to ask you about a really important topic that I think is surrounding a lot of us and affecting us due to the coronavirus. And that is mental health and anxiety. And do you want to just kind of introduce that topic for our audience today and why this is relevant with the coronavirus? Well, sure. I mean, I think if you've been, um, you know, kind of awake and paying attention at all, you should have some sense of anxiety about what's happening. We were really uncertain and there's a lot of confusion and there's not a lot of information. There's a lot of danger and people aren't sure what is safe and what isn't and what we can do to try and deal with this situation. So I think it's normal to have a lot of anxiety in a situation like this. Definitely. Well, and I think for some of us, you know, anxiety is a word that is kind of developing and, you know, there's been, a, I think, a higher increase of that, like usage of that word. But how would you describe it and how does anxiety manifest itself so that we can recognize it if it is something that we're dealing with? Sure, sure. Uh, one trouble with answering that, Parker, is that it's going to be individual person to person. There's so the average person is going to just feel worry. I just can't stop my brain from worrying about this. Like how many cases have there been? How many are close to me? Is there someone in the neighborhood? You know, all of these kinds of thoughts are any of my family members sick. You know, what's this going to do to my job? What's this going to do to my retirement account? What's this going to do? Are my kids safe? Are my parents safe? And you can kind of see those, those kinds of thoughts of worry just lead in circles around um, around itself. Um, but it can manifest it in other, itself in other ways. I've had um, a lot of patients telling me recently that they're waking up a lot in the middle of the night. Um, I had one patient recently said, Doc, I have never felt this anxious in my life. I have this constant sense of, oh my gosh, what's happening? I can't sleep. I get to sleep okay, but then I wake up a couple of times a night and I just feel really worried about what's happening. And I looked at the patient and I said, you too? <laughs> but I, I feel this way too, right? There's a lot of things that are, are worrisome right now. Um, so, the, but I, I tell that story to just um, point out that it can be that sense of worry or it can be a interruptions to your sleep pattern um i just had a patient this morning who his main anxiety was a sense of stomach upset in the 
know, it really led to this feeling of unease or nausea in his stomach, but I don't think there was anything else going on except for the anxiety. Um, um, other ways it can um, exhibit itself. Uh, some people, when they get a lot of anxiety, they don't notice it, but they they get dry, driven to clean or to yeah. uh, take care of something around themselves that they feel like they do have control over because of course we don't have control over the rest of the world right now. And so much of what we normally feel in control of is now um, not something we can control. Um, other ways that anxiety can manifest itself um, would be with feelings of depression. You know, um, those depression and anxiety are often two sides of the same coin. Um, and so feelings of sadness, of the despair, um, or things that we really want to watch out for too with this, uh, um, appetite changes, um, whether we're stress eating, um, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've seen a lot of that, um, or people who then lose their appetite, appetite completely because they're so anxious. Right. Uh, other ways the anxiety can manifest itself. Some people do get um, more GI symptoms. It can even lead to like a, a diarrhea with them. Um, scratching, we see ticks like that sometimes and people can pull their hair out or scratch or bite their fingernails off. Uh, wow. Yeah, lots of, lots of different ways this can manifest itself. Um, so. Okay. Well, that's actually, you know, really interesting that everybody is a little bit different, but I guess, you know, that's how we're made and, you know, it will manifest itself differently. Um, so even though it manifests itself differently, are the approaches to managing anxiety the same or what are some approaches we should take as we are starting to feel more anxious? Uh, you, you know, there are general guidelines, but I would say that the approach to anxiety is going to be different with each individual. Um, so, um, just like I like to eat Rocky Road ice cream, you might like cookies and cream ice cream or not like ice cream at all and want to eat a cookie instead or whatever. Um, our approach to anxiety is, is um, similar for the majority of patients trying to let go. Um, well, there's, there's uh, the usual approaches to consider, is this affecting a patient's life enough need to consider medication um but that isn't where we should start um we also usually think about do we need to think about some sort of counseling either with a professional therapist or with self-help books you know pulling um up your favorite like amazon and just searching self-help anxiety pulls up a lot of good uh, resources there um exercise there is a ton of very very good research behind the mental health benefits of exercise um, interestingly also a new challenging type of exercise seems to even be more helpful so if, you, if you've never worked out at home well this might be the best time to start because uh, it, trying a different kind of exercise if you've done push-ups what about you know a handstand push-up or do it safely, please. Um, <laughs> but, but presenting yourself a new challenge. Um, you know, normally the example I use is kayaking or something. You know, trying to do something that is a, a 
is teaching your body something actually seems to help people with anxiety more. Okay. Uh, exercising in a group does seem to help people more than exercising alone. Obviously, that's a challenge right now. But there are a lot of people um, trying to approach that very creatively. Google Hangouts or FaceTime workouts or, um, you know, YouTube. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff online for that. Um, yoga especially seems to be a type of exercise that really helps people when they're anxious. I think that the, the mind-body uh, connectedness and focus on the breath through yoga um, really is a powerful um, way to uh, calm anxiety. It works actually by prolonging the out-breath actually stimulates what's called the vagus nerve, which is a cranial nerve that goes all the way from down in our stomach all the way up into our brain and stimulates the release of calming chemicals. And that's why often, you know, you'll see people say, hey, take a deep breath. The, the best way to maximize that is actually to take a deep pressured out breath. So you would take a breath in, and then you got to blow it out against resistance. So you make your lips pursed and, and make noise. And if you do that repeatedly, you really are stimulating that vagus nerve and releasing those calming chemicals up in the brain. Okay, interesting. So that may be why yoga is more helpful than um, some other types of exercise. But we all need to think about other ways to, to try and treat exercise. Uh, food is a, a common thing that people use and can overuse quite easily. Um, but if you approach it in a mindful way of saying, you know what, I'm stressed right now. Let me show you one of the things I do. Um, I am a big fan of chocolate and I usually keep some good chocolate here. I, I actually buy like the $10 chocolate bar because uh -huh. it makes me feel kind of snooty, but it also helps me not eat a lot of it because I know it's expensive. But when I'm going to eat chocolate, this is, truly, this is what I do every time. I take out the piece of chocolate and I look at it and I start to think about, I want to eat this chocolate. This is going to taste delicious. But I don't just eat it right away. I look at it. I even smell it a little bit. And then I break it in front of my mouth and smell it again as I've Freshly You're making me want some. <laughs> it's good stuff. You're regretting that doing this by <laughs> Skype instead of coming down. Now. Right. Um, and then I eat it, but I don't just like gobble it down. I put this in my mouth and let it melt and chew it slowly and really savor it. Does that make sense? I am trying intentionally. I know that this will help me feel a little better. But instead of gobbling a pound of chocolate, I can get a heck of a lot of benefit out of a tiny little square like this that, um, that does help anxiety. And um, if you're purposeful about how you're using a tool like food, I don't think that's a negative way to deal with anxiety. Now, I've also dealt with anxiety before by eating a big bag of potato chips while I'm watching Netflix. And, you know, that's not as healthy of a way because it's mindless and we're not paying attention to it. So that brings me to my next and probably favorite tool to try and help people with anxiety, and that would be meditation. I'm an extremely big fan of the Eastern styles of meditation where you sit in an upright posture calmly and trying to 
focused on your breathing, maybe the breath as it enters your nose or your chest as it moves with your breath, letting yourself just focus on that. And um, I bet you won't make it two breaths. And that's normal. That is what's supposed to happen. Your, your brain is going to say, what are you doing? We're supposed to be anxious right now. We're supposed to be worrying about all this stuff. Yeah. And you're going to, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to focus on my breath. And you'll make it another breath or two. And then you'll start thinking about football or about coronavirus or about chocolate that's sitting over here that you want to eat. And then you'll think about it for a while. And then you'll catch yourself and say, oh, I'm supposed to be meditating right now. That's why I'm sitting in this funny way or whatever. And you let go of those thoughts again and return to your breath. And by practicing that, it's kind of like doing bicep curls to get your biceps strong. That is a way of training your brain to say, you know what? I'm going to let go of that. I have no control over whether or not... um, something bad happens um, here. I don't have control over whether it's gonna snow on my wedding day. And so I'm not gonna worry about that. And through meditation, and I'm not talking about, you know, a three hour meditation session, that sit for five minutes a day like that, five minutes twice a day, you will see significant improvement in how you're able to release those negative thoughts. That's really interesting. I think that's a really good tip. I'm going to have to try some of those myself. That sounds really, really effective. Thank you for sharing those. Um, well, kind of moving on, um, we know that you work a lot with you know, families and children, and we wanted to ask, um, how can we con- console our families, our kids, our partners, um, through, to help them with their uneasiness? Um, the first thing that I would say is recognize it, right? I mean, the joke I told earlier about looking at the patient saying you too is to recognize this is an uneasy time, right? And it's okay to feel uneasy. If you're paying attention right now, you should feel a little nervous. This is a scary time. And so that would be the first thing that I would say, especially for children, validate their emotion. Don't sweep it under the, the, the rug. Um, Kids are freaked out when the earthquakes come, you know? Yeah, this is scary. We're here and we're going to help you. And we're going to, we're scared too, buddy. You know, that kind of thing. Where you can help validate their emotions first before saying, what can we do about this? And then um, it, it really depends on the age of uh, uh, the kids. You know, the, the younger kids probably just need redirection. Um, to go get some of the things that are stable and comfortable to them, you know, whether that's a blankie or a book or, uh, or a, a game, um, uh, but giving the kids that sense of stability is really important to them. Um, and you can just redirect a younger child into that. Older kids are going to need you to very much engage this on um, uh, not not so much an intellectual level, but an emotional level with them, that you validate their emotions and then try to work through that with them and say, you know what, it's okay to feel scared right now. This, this is scary. Um, but what, what can we work on now? Um, and um, there are different techniques to use to try to help calm kids. Some of them are kind of 
throwbacks to what we talked about trying to deal with anxiety for ourselves getting the children to do some of their normal activities is really helpful of course that that goes back to the sense of normalcy but getting these kids who are used to running around a lot to run around a lot it would be helpful you know get them to go outside don't go to a playground i would say but go on a um a bike ride around the block or you know a, um you could go on a um on a walk somewhere do an exercise class with them there's plenty of youtube uh home exercise classes i mean heck my three-year-old loves doing yoga with me um <laughs> you know i don't need the goat yoga thing he'll climb right on me while we're doing that um uh um and then so but exercise is really important for these kids um and then um you can also try some mindfulness um, things with them some children will really respond well to strength poses and and by that i mean um you have them take like the stand stand with you know upright with your hands on your hips like your superman and you literally stand in that pose and try to, you could turn it into a, a staring contest you know um yeah. where you not to smile or something like that but there's there is some research that says that single pose actually helps people feel more confident and powerful um for a kid that's having a panic attack you know really freaking out and is is really losing control here for adults as well for that matter um things that can be really helpful would be literally holding ice cubes um uh that can be that can be a powerful thing that for someone who's really distraught can be helpful reorienting a person who's panicking to the stability of their environment you know a little if if someone were having a panic attack here with me right now i would say feel the desk it is feel it with your hands it is hard and solid it is not moving look around the room and describe it the walls are white but but describing everything that is solid and stable and and listening to some calming music but saying and using all five of your senses to describe how safe you are in this situation i can feel the ground not moving i can smell things i can see things i can even taste a little bit in my mouth that it's normal and just describing that and working through that um can can be really reorienting and helpful to calm to calm yeah. someone down that's really great advice i like that i love focusing on what is stable in our lives okay so you know we've already kind of t touched on some ways that we can stay centered um is there a way i guess maybe if this is possible to prevent anxiety in its entirety is there are there different scenarios you know that set off anxiety you know, one that comes to mind, for example, Dr. Peterson is technology is I've heard recently, you know, nervous scrolling and being hooked on your cell phone, you know, when there's nothing else to do. Are there behaviors that we do in our day to day lives, such as, you know, spend too much time inside or on technology that's offsetting this um, or onsetting this anxiety? Sure. OK, so there's a couple of questions there. So right. what are, what now you? The first one that I heard was, uh, is there a way to keep ourselves from having anxiety? And I would like to point out, we don't want to do that. Anxiety is a healthy, normal, important part of our life. You know, the 
analogy I usually use with the patient is we're supposed to feel anxious. If a tiger walked through that door right now and we're both in this room with a tiger, we need to be anxious. We need to figure out how to deal with that difficult situation and we need to really pay attention to it. I use that analogy because, you know, uh, long ago our ancestors maybe had to deal with that situation and that anxiety would peak and then it'd go away. situation would resolve we'd run away from the tiger or whatever now we especially right now where we're dealing with an invisible threat that you cannot see or detect in any way we have that sense constantly and that becomes a real problem for us evolutionarily so we're supposed to feel anxious it is normal to feel anxious it is not healthy for us to continuously feel and so we need to do, we need to recognize that and be sure that we are doing the things that we need to in order for ourselves to be healthy. That would, for me, the basics are be sure that you are eating good food. You know, you put crap in your, in your body, you're not going to feel good. You know, you want to feel good, eat good food. Um, and, you know, what's the definition of good food? Well, you probably already know what it is, but <laughs> mostly if you have to open a package to eat it, probably not something that, you know, your mom's going to be real proud that you're making. Um, that'd be the first thing. The second thing would be try to get good sleep. We need about seven to seven and a half hours of actual sleep in order for our brain to feel good and rested. That means that we need eight to nine hours in bed to give ourselves seven to seven and a half hours of sleep. And if you're not giving your brain rest, well, you're gonna, you're not gonna feel good. So, but if we don't get good sleep and our brain is fatigued, we are going to have problems. If we, um, if we uh, have to stay up all night or if we're not sleeping well, that's going to be something that we need to address good sleep hygiene, which you can Google and find very good tips on, is really important for giving yourself good sleep. There's a great podcast that I really adore and send a lot of patients to. Um, It's the podcast 10% Happier, and I believe it's episode number 221. uh, The title of it is All Your Sleep Questions Answered. They will go through and teach you how to give yourself good sleep. And that's really a foundation for good mental health. And then the third thing for good mental health and, and trying to protect yourself from more anxiety than you should have is um, exercise. Truly, I think exercise is really important. Um, other things that we, can, that we can do to protect ourselves is be sure that we feel engaged socially. You know, like uh, having people that we can rely on can be really important in times like this reaching out to your coworkers or friends and looking them in the face and saying, how are you? They'll say good. And because that's what they're trained to say, but look them in the face again and say, no, really, how are you doing with all of this? And I bet you'll be shocked. People will actually answer the question and say, I'm kind of worried. I'm, this is scary. Like I'm not sleeping well. And, and you can have a, an opportunity to either help them or just comfort them or, or even just recognize it with them. 
And that connection will actually help you, you yourself quite a bit. It's one of those selfish things that you can do by trying to help someone else, you're really helping yourself quite a bit. So social connectivity is really important. And right. you brought up means, uh, technology is a great thing, right? Like you and I are, you know, whatever, 30 miles apart, haven't seen each other in weeks. We've been emailing and having phone calls and then we're doing this. We feel connected right now. Right. You can have social connection with people without being in the same room as them. Um, so being sure that you are giving yourself social connectivity is a really important thing. Um, and then I would say you should also be trying to limit how much negative stuff you're giving yourself. This is an important time to be aware of the news and to be aware of what's going on. But we do not need to be aware every moment of every day what the latest news is. We don't need to be scrolling on our Instagram feed or whatever social media that I'm way behind on um, uh, is, is telling us. We, more importantly, we need to be in tune with how we feel and how those around us feel. And being sure that we are taking time to recognize that will make us happier and that'll also allow us to help those around us more. So that's, that's what I would say to try to avoid anxiety. So just to summarize, you gotta eat good food, you gotta sleep well, you gotta exercise and you gotta engage with people around you. Um, so. Well, those are great points, uh, Dr. Peterson. I really appreciate it. I think, you know, those are things I think we can all work on even better. I think, you know, a lot of us might have a little bit more extra time on our hands and hopefully, you know, we're able to use this to learn a little bit more about ourselves and how to help ourselves, you know, get through hard times because there'll be hard times in the future, but hopefully, you know, this is, you know, a time where we can really learn from this. Is there anything you would like to add before we wrap things up? Thanks. I'd be remiss if I didn't say, please reach out to your physician if, for help. There are medications, which I totally glossed over. They can be very so. Well, I think that's a very important point. We won't leave that out. Um, but we'd like to thank you for making it possible to meet with you via Skype. Um, I know, you know, it's a crazy time, but we really appreciate the insight that you've given our audience. And uh, it's been helpful for me. And I know it'll be helpful for the people that tune in and watch this and listen to it on our podcast. Um, for everybody that has been listening, this is Dr. Bryce Peterson, one of our family medicine providers at Cope Family Medicine, which is located in Bountiful. Um, and I guess with that, we'll kind of uh, tune out for today. Thanks, Dr. Peterson. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of The Daily Diagnosis. We're so happy that you joined us today. If you would like to find more information about Ogden Clinic, our providers, or locations, visit us at ogdenclinic.com. If you're listening today from Apple Podcasts app, make sure you leave us a review or subscribe so you can receive more information about the different episodes that we post. We love getting feedback from our audience, so those reviews are priceless to us. If you also would like to shout us out on social media, our Instagram handle is at Ogden Clinic. You can also send us a DM if there's a topic that you would like our providers to cover, and we really look forward to hearing from you. We post episodes weekly, so tune in next week, and we can't wait to be with you again. Have a great week.